0: The Tree of Life The Tree of Life, which appears in Eden, reappears in the New Jerusalem, the new creation. Its relationship to Christ and His cross has already been cited. Its implications for the doctrine of man need to be recognized. And He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river was there the Tree of Life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Revelation 22, 1 and 2 Very obviously this is symbolism. There is a river of the water of life which proceeds from the throne of God, the author of life, and there is also a tree of life, in the midst of the street and on either side of the river. It is one tree, and it is many, a forest of them, in a city yet a garden. The city is walled. Revelation twenty-one twelve through 21 It thus has perfect protection, yet it is open, like a garden, and is both garden and city. The walls and the foundations of the walls are of precious and semi-precious gems and stones, indicating that, because no enemy can ever threaten the city, the wealth thereof is open and absolutely safe. Especially important, the tree or trees of life bear twelve kinds of fruit, and they bear every month. Twelve here obviously has reference to the year, twelve months. In other words, the tree bears fruit continually. But twelve in the symbolism of the new Jerusalem also refers to the twelve tribes of Israel, i.e. to the fullness of all the people of God, of every tribe, tongue, and nation. These are all present in the new creation and are all totally nourished and totally productive unto God. Schilder's interpretation of this verse points us toward the meaning. We may interpret Revelation 22.2 in its broadest sense. When the tree of life gives its fruit from month to month, Scripture means that all living things will enjoy such regularity. Promise and fulfillment will have become one. Indeed, the very words promises and fulfillment will fall away. There is no longer a possibility of promise when fulfillment is rich and full. Thus, the glory of the fulfilled covenant with nature is one of the foundation stones upon which heaven rests. All that which was created blossoms full in the Son of God's righteousness. What the symbolism of the tree of life tells us is that, in the new creation, potentiality and actuality are one. In this world, the gap between the two is very great. Because of sin, neither the earth nor the people thereof realize their potentialities. Very commonly, because of various frustrating circumstances, we fail to find our true calling or are deflected into side avenues during most or all of our lives, so that we fail to develop these potentialities which are deeply embedded in our being. The life of the new creation is symbolized by the perpetual fruition of the trees. With God, potentiality and actuality are one. There are no hidden potentialities in God. His infinite, omnipotent, and omniscient being is one in which every potentiality is an actuality. God, in brief, is totally self-conscious. He knows himself absolutely, and he is in all things fully himself. When he speaks, his word is a certain word. What he declares, he performs, because all things are by his ordination and predestination. God's word is thus of necessity, always an infallible and omniscient word, because he brings total government and total knowledge to bear on his every word. Man, created in the image of God, is a finite created being, whereas God is infinite, uncreated being. In this finite created sense, however, man is destined to enter by grace into that state of glory, wherein for him too, potentiality and actuality are one. Man's potentialities are only and exclusively creaturely potentialities. As of necessity, his actualities are also. These man shall realize in the creation. He shall be totally self-conscious, fully expressive of himself, and able to bear fully and totally that fruit which is to his nature to bear, because he has been grafted into Christ, the tree of life. Romans eleven seventeen and following. There are those who would question how such a state can be productive. The fact that infinite potentiality and actuality are one in God does not limit God, it makes him truly God. The fact that a finite and creaturely nature shall be realized in man does not limit the future of man, it makes him truly man, fully able to be that which he was created to be. The closer a writer or an artist comes to realizing his potentiality, the more productive he becomes. Our potentiality is not something that exhausts itself, but rather becomes more fertile and alive with development and use. Thus, instead of a stagnant new creation, we have in scripture a symbolic picture of a world which is forever renewed, kynos, new in nature and quality, because it has the unfallen, unfettered, and uncursed freedom to be itself, to realize its potentialities and make them fully actualities. It is not the springs which flow fully and freely, which stand in stagnant waters. In Revelation 21.26, we are told of the new creation, and they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. Again, in Revelation twenty two two, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing or health of the nations. Christ is the only true heir of the kingdom, and we are heirs in him. Christ is heir of all things, including all nations. All the God-given potentialities of all nations, their glory and honor belong to him who brings them healing or health, and enables them to give to the new creation that which they are created to give. On this aspect, the great Dr. Schilder commented, The universality of the covenant requires that not one race or people be left out. Yet, during Old Testament times, there was one nation, singled out of the many, as the chosen people. Such separation was but an ad interim. We may look upon the covenant as then an mark toward fulfillment, towards the time when all nations, from the uttermost parts of the earth, would belong to the covenant. So also we read in Revelation 22.2 that the leaves of the tree of life were for the healing of the nations, and we see therein the beautiful fulfillment of the covenant of grace. Throughout the centuries, the healing power of the tree of life has been active, bringing the heathen to repentance and sanctifying their lives. The universality was evident even before Abraham. It was never wholly lacking during the time between Abraham and Christ. It strode toward fulfillment at Pentecost, and it reaches its glorious fullness in the New Jerusalem. Long before Schilder, the wonderful Dr. Thomas Scott observed the leaves of the tree, being appointed for the healing of the nations, implied that the favor and presence of Christ would finally remove and prevent the return and entrance of all evil, as well as communicate all good. To the inhabitants of that blessed world. It is Christ who, by his redemptive work, overthrows the power of sin and death, breaks the curse, and brings in the new creation. It is Christ who brings men and nations to their fulfillment, and makes their potentiality and actuality one. It is his word that summons us. And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is athirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Revelation 22:17